everybody. Welcome to the DeFi Mafia podcast. I am joined today by Jordy Alexander. He was kind enough to uh, join me today to discuss Olympus and all of the, uh, I guess you could call it controversy or at least misunderstanding or maybe even uh, uh, dubiousness of Olympus, a debate to see whether we think is Olympus a Ponzi scam? Is it a legit DAO with legit goals? Uh, we're basically going to get into it and uh, see what we think and see who, who, I don't know if we'll necessarily have a conclusion to the debate, but uh, uh, I think I we'll mean, have a good faith argument. has to be black and white, right? Like there's, yeah. there's like this huge spectrum and I think um it's good to talk to somebody who you know places something on, on a different part of the spectrum i, I think you know we, we'll we'll try to go through some of the arguments and and uh just respectfully see where where the differences lie perfect so just to give background for everybody this all started because i wrote this article right here uh december 18th so about a month ago and i sent it to jordy and he read it and gave me some feedback and then he came out and wrote his of Smoke and Mirrors Part 2, uh, where he basically broke down uh, why he thinks Ohm is a Ponzi. Do you think Ohm is a Ponzi? I guess we should just get that out of the way first. So, I mean, I, yeah, let's quickly get out the way, like the word Ponzi, the use of it. There's also been a lot of controversy about the P word and like whether it's correct to use it. Um, I think, you know, crypto Twitter in general, like crypto has completely reappropriated this word into our own culture. And it just doesn't mean like a pure outright scam like Charles Ponzi. And I, I, I make it very clear, um, both in part one and part two, that, you know, they're scams. Let's get those out the way. No, you know, those are clear. BitConnect, you know, they're completely like trying to just steal people's money. And then there's what I say is Ponzi is basically something that you know, the, there's no like person that's really incentivized to put money in the system. Um, apart from just like speculating on that kind of specific thing, there's no like outside money coming in and um, they might pretend like there is, or there is like some pivot to it later on. Um, and, you know, I'm sure like the first thing we'll probably dig into is this concept of like being a currency because either you're going to be a business and you're going to like actually create value or, you know, the other thing in the world that, you know, has value is money. It's currency just because it's a currency itself. 99.9999999% of things in the world that have value are not currency. They're actual like items, you know, there's like a couch, there's like a TV, like a company. And, you know, a couple things in the world like fiat and gold and, you know, Bitcoin is trying to be that, um, have this, you know, kind of monetary premium, which is such a high bar that I think, you know, all these things coming out and like trying to be money and Bitcoin cash is money. And like, there's so many like hundreds of levels removed from, from that, that I personally put them in that category of like, you know, this is, there's just no outside actual value. Um, but maybe you can, you can kind of make the other argument for, for that point. Uh, but just to finish on Ponzi, I think, you know, let's stop being like uh, snowflakes about the word Ponzi. Like we, you know, crypto, People just mean like something that is, you know, people are pooling their money in and then there's like, you know, this excitement and there's not that much behind apart from momentum. And then the value buying when the momentum stops is like at a much lower point. And, and that's like, like a pump and dump almost basically is what you're saying. It doesn't Maybe a more complex it. pump and dump, but in the sense where try to get this thing to go up a lot so you can sell it. 
Is that what you're saying? Um, I think like, you know, not, not even like that, that, that there has to be like a, you know, like in the Godfather, you have like in, in the picture right there, you have like the strings being pulled and, you know, like everything is like orchestrated. I think like sometimes, you know, these things happen organically, like Shiba Inu, like one of these things where it's just like a flash mob of like kind of momentum. And, and that's sort of like GME, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be like a, a single person that's pumping, dumping, like you have, um, you know, in pump and dumps are a bit more scam. I would say like that's in the pure scam. Um, I would say uh, something like Hex, something like Ohm is in this sort of category of creating like this very connect complex financial game theory thing, but ultimately like the money that's coming in initially. And, and, you know, we can talk about, you know, I, I do mention like the end games that, you know, going legit and like what that looks like, but at least, you know, it's the creation um, is very much based on speculation purely. There, there's no like real kind of utility being provided. Okay. All right. We'll get into all that. Um, I do agree in the Ponzi part. I think there's like this, overuse in the sense that yeah obviously there's uh, there's like the legal definition of ponzi and then there's what we kind of refer to in crypto as a ponzi i think most people understand that um so i won't get into that too much uh, let's i just want to give a two minute background on olympus just for everybody listening in case they're not aware so olympus launched last year in march and uh, initially it was Basically, I'll, I'll, I'll just go with exactly this. So their first uh, pitch was that they wanted to create a backed decentralized reserve currency for crypto, meaning that you have a currency that is free floating, but is backed by a treasury of assets. And now there's arguments for whether or not that is needed or not. And we can get into that. I think that is probably a little more philosophical, unless you disagree as to what the best type of currency would be. Uh, but that is kind of the initial stated intent of what uh, Ohm should be and the problem that they were trying to solve. Now, the thing that Ohm created that was kind of genius is this, or depending on who you ask is genius, is the bonding mechanism for protocol-owned liquidity. Um, and basically, I, I encourage, I'll put both of these links in uh, for my article and his. I encourage people to read it, but I know people are lazy and probably won't. So uh, the quick summary is basically uh, they invented this way where you can bond and instead of just raising money in the traditional sense where people uh, give them money directly and then they get shares, they created this bonding mechanism. And what you do, what the benefit of this is that they own the LP tokens, the liquidity provider tokens. So what you would do in this example, say you want to purchase $10,000 of Ohm and the market price is 500. You could swap them or you could buy $5,000 of Ohm and $5,000 of DAI and get the LP tokens by providing liquidity and deposit those LP tokens instead. And uh, that's basically what Ohm did. And a lot of people have copied them since. And this allows them to do this right here, which is own 99% of their liquidity, essentially. They own all of it. So they control all their liquidity pools, which means they also collect all the revenue fee from the liquidity pools. Uh, and it gives them certain power from against mercenary uh, farmers like we were seeing a lot last year with like iron finance and all these things where basically you have a farm token that becomes worthless 
almost instantly. Uh, and, and that is almost the definition of a pump and dump when you have a lot of those uh, uh, farm tokens. So anyways, I encourage people to read it if they want to get more in depth, but that's the background. They created this bonding mechanism and they're trying to be the decentralized reserve currency for uh, DeFi. Cool. So let me, let me just like quickly jump in uh, just to have like a good back and forth. Um, the bonding mechanism, I think, is is like a it's a complete side play. That was not really part of the intent, or it, I've kind of dug into like how that even appeared reading through like all the you know mediums and everything. It seems like it just sort of randomly happened at some point way later in the game where they decided like you know, oh, the spawning mechanism is good. Oh, why don't we just absorb like LP tokens? It wasn't really like part of the design. It's not a core part of it. It's something that emerged as this like incredibly like meme narrative of own your liquidity. And I haven't addressed it in part two because it got a little bit um, too long and it's it's going to be in part three. But the, the concept of like protocol owned liquidity is like maybe the most misunderstood concept right now, I would say like across DeFi people, even like advanced people, um, if they don't have like a very deep background in like actually being market makers and understanding what that involves, I think there's a huge misunderstanding. And like the things that you mentioned, owning your liquidity, there's mercenary liquidity, like we're, we're being there instead, um, are just completely like misunderstood concepts that are, I'll get to in part three. I didn't, I didn't like mention them initially, like so deeply, because again, I don't think it's a key part of the, the whole thing. It's sort of like an extra mechanic that, Ultimately, what it is, is you can break it down into two things. Like you are taking money from, like you said, like for shares from the, from like outside investors for shares. Um, so you're sort of fundraising, you're exchanging your token. Exactly. Yeah. You can see it as like a VC deal. Every time, like, you know, Luna near everyone's like announcing, like they just raised $300 million and they have like 10 VCs. It's the exact same thing. Like they're raising cash instead of like their own currency. So then they've diversified their treasury instead of being, you know, in their own currency, which, you know, that's a very good thing. Like Hasu, everybody talks about how like treasuries right now in DeFi should be more diversified. It's like they're not diversified enough. And if you go through a bear market, you know, you, you don't have stables to like pay people and, and work on it. So that itself um, is totally fine. You know, all you're doing is raising money instead of going to VCs, um, you're just doing it like on chain. I mean, you can, you can debate which one's better, like in a way, like it's more open. It's more like community theoretically, um, to do it on chain. I would argue like, you know, we've seen Olympus pro and we'll get into that a little bit that, you know, a lot of the results is like, you know, you just have bots kind of waiting for like the right level to, to get yeah. in. So it's not necessarily like, you know, Joe and Jane are just like nice people. Like the video says, and you know, they're, they're just waiting and bonding. It's more like, you know, you just have these like advanced bots that are just waiting for the right level to, to get in. So, and then they're dumping, you know, it's like an arbitrage, like five days later, you know, you're dumping. Um, as so, opposed to, no, I sorry, mean, keep going. Yeah. I mean, the VC thing, like, I'm not, I'm not going to make a judgment on it. Maybe they add value. Maybe they don't add value. Um, you know, like they try to add value, like at least the concept is you're you're giving a discount for a reason like you're you're potentially like getting at minimum you're getting a stamp that says like okay like these vcs have like checked you out and like you know the public can can like trust their name um at best you know they're actually like helping you like design like products and and collaborations so mm -hmm. both both models i think are fine I'm, I'm not gonna like make a judgment on them but ultimately you know this bonding mechanism 
is one, a diversification of treasury, which is kind of like what I like have a, the fancy bear, you know, like the, the, we're just selling tokens really. And then the, the part of it that is, you know, at some point Olympus decided, well, instead of just getting dollars, why don't we get LP tokens? And then we have this amazing meme of like owning liquidity. Um, I think that's like more of a meme than anything because Zeus has talked about this many times. Like, uh, you know, he's like, well, people are like, well, we need to protect our treasury and the treasury is getting dumped on because like people are just trading into this liquidity and we're, we're not going to pull it because like, that's, you know, that's the whole like uh, thing we're trying to do. But of course, like they're taking losses. So you're exchanging like losses for users directly because there's no liquidity versus losses for the protocol, but the protocol is commonly owned. So when you have these like protocol owned losses, which is the real like POL that's happening, they're still getting distributed to everybody. So like just the fact that somebody can like, like we saw a few days ago, can dump like, you know, $11 million into the protocol owned liquidity, that impermanent loss is getting distributed to everybody else in a way. And th there's no real like advantage to it. And it's just, do you want to have it in pocket A or pocket B? Like it's sort of like creating a, a safety net that's not necessarily safe for people who are left in. Um, so anyway, that's that's how I see it. I'll, I'll let you jump in. Yeah. So on the bonding, I do agree. I One problem I do have is people frequently talk about uh, the treasury growth and, and refer to bonding as revenue. Bonding is not revenue, right? Bonding is, like you said, it's just raising money. But instead of raising it from VCs, they're raising it from users. And that was one thing I did try to clarify in my article. And one of the things that I was said, and the reason why most of the Ohm forks I said was going to completely fail, was that they were only raising money with no intent of actually doing anything with it, no business plan behind it. And we'll get into the business part of Ohm. Um, and that, yeah, it's just a alternate way of raising money ultimately. And, and that what you really care about when you're investing in Olympus, in my opinion, is how are how are they going to have non-dilutive treasury growth? How are they going to generate revenue and bring money in that doesn't dilute shareholders? Uh, you know, I'm okay lose, diluting in the beginning to raise money, the initial treasury, just like any business. But at some point, you know, like Ohm had a treasury of $800 million or something like that, time, same thing. At some point, you need to actually do something with that money. You can't just raise money forever for no reason. Um, and so that, to me, is the key difference between Olympus and almost all the other forks, is that Olympus is trying to do things with that money. Uh, we'll get into all those things that will generate revenue and be much more self-sustaining than just raising money. Uh, and so that was the key difference for me. Um, so I think yeah. we're on the same page then. Let's uh, okay. we can try to find yeah. our disagreements. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do agree there. I do agree there. Okay. Um, so I wanted to go down to your, you, you had these 10 commandments and I wanted to just kind of go through them each. And I, and I, and by the way, I don't disagree with a lot of what you said. Um, and I'll say that I'm not like pure hundred percent Ohm is, has done no wrong. They have no faults. I think that they have made mistakes. Now in the defense, I will say most startups are messy. Uh, Ohm is, you know, less than a year old. I don't think you can expect any startup to not have mistakes, especially when with all the spotlight and all the money that's been flown into it. 
I, I give them some slack. Now they have definitely made mistakes. So let's let's get into it. So first, the absurdly high APY. Um, we've kind of discussed this a little bit already, but that APY is it's it's basically you. Use, what is the term you use? You say it's not APY, it's uh, steal rate of robbing you. Yeah, yeah rate of robbing you. That's right. That's right. Um, I think it's a little aggressive. I think it's, it, it is. Uh, and I, I did tweet this the other day when people see really high APYs and they say, oh, well, why own Ohm? I can own this fork that has a million APY. It's like, well, really, you're just instead of chasing the highest APY, you're chasing the highest dilution. Um, and I don't think most people understand that. And you can have a million APY when the treasury is a million dollars, but you can't have a million APY when the treasury is a hundred million dollars, right? It's just not going to keep with that growth. Um, and I want to get into with you how you would try to value Ohm if you were to put a value on it. Uh, I know a lot of people just say, oh, whatever the value of the treasury is. I disagree with that. I don't know if you agree with that or not, um, but we'll yeah, get I mean, into we, that. We can, we can get into it at the end because I guess that's like, you know, you, you mentioned that they're trying to, as opposed to other forks, have a business. And they are, mm -hmm. you know, agreed. My problem is, you know, that was not the intention. It just sort of had happened because at some point, you're like, well, we have all this money. Like, we're not going to become a decentralized currency in the next, like, 100 years. So, like, let's just start doing something because otherwise we're just, like, sitting here trying to be money. So, like, they, they kind of pivoted, which is totally fine. Uh, but, like, let's be clear, that was not, like, you know, people were investing in the idea of Olympus Pro like eight months ago. It was it was like, you know, something that just kind of came up of, of like, what do we do? Which is totally fine. Um, the APY thing, you know, I think I have quite a like a, a descriptive write-up, but maybe like the important part is like to understand it is if you go to the very end um, of, of that that section, um, you know, the, the, or maybe it's a little bit later, but the concept is... This part? Um, I, I, uh, uh, people think thousands APY sounds good, but where's all yeah, the yeah. wealth I mean, coming I from? That's all clear. Like, you know, it's, it's just kind of like, it's a marketing gimmick, but the real thing is like, you're, you're getting APY on $1 and, and that's like the actual math behind it. That's the real thing that's happening. So if you invest, you know, at the time it was $400 and now it's just say it's a hundred dollars, you're, you're putting a hundred dollars in and the APY you're getting in is on $1. So like maybe you're getting 8,000 APY but you've basically given $100 and you get back $1 and then you get 1,000 APY on this one as long as the APY will last. And then you hope that that $1 with the APY attached to it ends up somehow becoming more than $100. But I think a lot of people were not able to go through all the smoke and mirrors and understand that that's actually what's happening. Like, so, this, so this is I, what is on. I do agree on the yield. And I think this doesn't just apply to Ohm. I think this applies to a lot of DeFi where people really misunderstand how yield is generated, where yield comes from, all of these things. Um, like if you leave Ohm aside for a second, most of these farms, when you see, oh, this farm is giving you 100% APY on stables. Most people, because they come from traditional finance where like I have a savings account, I get 1% and you get paid, you put $100 in, you're going to get $1 back. But on these farms, you're not getting a dollar. You're getting the farm token that hopefully has some value. And that's where, you know, if you can look at a million different farm tokens where in the beginning they have some value and then everybody dumps it because they say, I want something of actual value. And Ohm is a little different, but it's very similar in that sense, right? And I think that we need across all of DeFi different definitions for yield. 
uh, and to say this is like, I, I don't know exactly how you would word it or phrase it, but I do agree. We need to clarify what yield is and kind of educate people across the board on where this yield is coming from. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, there's two types of people. There's people who are like very familiar with the space and they've seen these APYs for like months and they've eventually kind of, you know, stayed away from them. They understand. And then there's like the newbies who are just coming in and they're, you know, you, I think it's kind of bad practice to try to like give, use that marketing to get them in. It's very effective. And it has not just worked for Olympus. It has worked for all their forks. All their forks have like managed to use the same exact mechanism, which is like show like a huge number on APY. And then, you know, people greed, greed just kind of gets them in. Mm -hmm. So it's less about like their business plan. It's like this gimmick is, it's not people are buying into Olympus Pro or Olympus. They're just like buying into like the, the concept of like a high APY. And my like main goal with like all these articles is like educating people in a way that's like fun and easy to understand because if I just put an academic article, like no newbie is going to like sit there. Like they want right. to see memes, like they want to be entertained. Um, and, you know, the APY thing is like one, which I think, you know, across the board, people need to understand. And, and so few people really understood that the APY is on $1. So I think, I think, again, we're on the same page. Let's address that part real quick, because you did get a lot of criticism for framing this as, you know, the godfather, mafioso, all that stuff. Um, yeah. I get what you're saying. I write articles too. If you just write something very academic and dry, no one's going to read it. So you kind of have to write it in a certain way. Did you want to kind of address that a little bit? Absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, when I first, I've written this thing for, for like a month, like I, I rewrote it so many ways at the beginning, there was no like gimmicks of like a theme or anything around it. Um, and it sort of like came out like negative. It was like, you know, they're doing this wrong. They're doing this wrong. Look at this math compare this math to their math. And it was just like, what is this? So, you know, I just came up like one day, I was just like, oh, like Zeus is the God's father. It's kind of like the Godfather. Like, oh, there's all this like kind of like mm -hmm. stuff going on. And I was like, why don't I approach it from the angle of like, let's just be playful. And like, you know, the, the movie, The Laundromat, it was kind of like my inspiration where, you know, the movie, The Laundromat, they present it from the side of like these like lawyers who are helping people launder money. And they're like, here's how we would do it. Like if we need to move it. So it was kind of like a fun tongue in cheek thing of, you know, if we, if I was, if I was theoretically to create like an ultimate Ponzi and that was my goal, like, here's how I would do it. And you know, there seemed to be some overlaps. I'm not like making any judgment on like single individuals, actual motivation at any point in time. And I'm sure that's like a super complex thing and everybody has their own motivations and they, and they change over time. So it's not like an attack on Zeus's like motivations, which I think are not necessarily like as good or bad. I, I think I'm sure like they're, they're mixed and people are, you know, very complex. So I'm not making any judgment on that. It was, it was like purely for fun. You know, your, your channel is called DeFi Mafia. Yeah, um, I was going to say, I can't say anything necessarily because <laughs> we go DeFi Mafia, but yeah, I agree. I mean, crypto is very... Uh... You know, I mean, it's filled with memes and all types of stuff. So I, I will say, first of all, the timing of the article came out right before all this happened. So I'm sure tensions were running high. Um, I, I will say that I definitely can see how people would think that you're coming at this saying that you think that they have malintent and that they're scammers. Right. I can definitely see that. Um I kind of in the middle, I, I totally get your point because I've tried to write stuff. And if you write it really boring, no one's going to read it. So you got to write in a way people read it. But I definitely see their point where like, hey, you're like calling us mafiosos here, which are like, you know, known 
I definitely get it. Criminal syndicates. And I want to like walk back the appearance of it. I think, you know, everybody who's not like deeply invested in Ohm, like psychologically or financially, totally gets like, you know, this is like for fun. Like they're laughing along. It has like a biggie kind of like 10 commandments. Like I get all these like messages. People like just love it. Have fun. Yeah. The, the people who are like in the middle of like a downswing that's been going on for weeks and they're just trying to like salvage this thing that they care about because it's like, you know, they care about the community. They have these like kind of tinted glasses on just by nature. And I totally get it. Um, I want to make clear, like for the rest of us that are not like, as like going through like a tough time, we're just having fun. There was no intention to say like, you know, this equivalent to the actual mafia. It, it's purely for fun. And, um, I, I'm not trying to uh, equate things equally. You know, it, it's it's like a lighthearted thing. Okay. Well, I'm glad we cleared that up just for everybody out there. Um, and by the way, I'm sure people are listening and they're probably thinking like, David, aren't you going to, you know, defend Ohm more? I, the thing is, I do agree with a lot of what you wrote as far as, and it, we, we've discussed it, like the communication, uh, a lot of the APY yield stuff is very kind of confusing, especially for new entrants. Uh, and even for people who are pretty familiar with DeFi, like myself, I had to like really understand and learn the botting mechanisms. I will get to the part where I give my thesis for Ohm and defend it, but I wanted to go through your points first, just so everybody is aware. Um, okay, so second commandment, you said LARP like a waifu, funds are seifu. Okay. Um, and you basically said that this is, again, another part where we talk about the communication. I agree. I think saying things like investment protection and stability was another, yeah, sustainable, sorry, sustainable. I agree. I think that is not the right way to do it. And that is misleading because obviously, first of all, this is crypto. Nothing is sustainable. Even Bitcoin itself can dump 90% tomorrow. Um, and then, yeah, investment protection. I don't even know, honestly, what they meant by that. If I'm, I, I, I don't know what that means. Um, as far as, you know, they say Ohm is minted evenly, blah, 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 blah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, I'm glad that you agree because this is the part of everything that I feel the strongest on. Like, this is bad practice. The the people involved have not been as bad. Like, Fiscantis, you know, I go through, I've gone through months of everybody's posts and I've heard everyone's podcast, just to be clear. Like, this is a heavily researched article that took me like weeks and weeks to, to write. Um, you know, to his credit, like he always has said, this is just a wild experiment. Don't put your money in if you're not comfortable. You know, like, I want to sleep at night. I don't I want to pretend like we're scamming people. Like, just, just realize we're, we're just trying like some crazy experiment. The website, which is like, you know, if I hear about Olympus from my friend and I go, just look, this is the front end. Like, this is like your, this is your shop window. And, you know, I, I just think this is a bad practice to have this there to, to like people who are just sort of not really understanding. Sure. Like, you know, people following Fiscandis on Twitter, like they'll, they'll know, they'll know that this is like a wild experiment. Um, but, you know, th this should have been changed. And I think we'll get to this at the very end, but this is the whole kind of dichotomy between people who see it as a, an experimental hedge fund which is sort of like what time wonderland is and the people who see it as like a financial product um like this is like a rye or like another financial stable coin like flat coin product and they want to use financial language of like protection and stability and 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 like these things are sort of like incompatible with each other and and we're in this like you know uh higgs boson kind of like dual they're they're both existing at the same time so I, I do agree. So if you go back to uh, like what Zeus said way in the beginning, 
Um, it very much was like this. First of all, this idea of having a a currency that is backed by assets and is free floating as to be kind of inflation resistant and have some type of like, for example, one thing that people always say about Bitcoin, right? If they're arguing against what's the intrinsic value, right? That you hear that all the time. Well, with Ohm, you could say, well, there's actually a treasury. So the intrinsic value would be what the actual treasury is, right? Uh, or you could even go forget any of the fluctuating tokens. You could have like the actual, what are the stable coins in the treasury, right? So that would be one argument for it. But it was definitely, and, and I agree, marketed as this like kind of grand economic experiment. Can we create a backed asset that acts as a currency for DeFi? Um, and, you know, I'll say this, the thing that interests me most and the reason why I invested initially is because I had had this kind of same idea, not saying I was executing on it, they did all the work, but I had had this same idea before of like, yeah, what if you had something that was backed instead of just, because, you know, the problem with stable coins is obviously they're just basically fiat, right? They're just a representation of fiat. And if there's mass inflation with the dollar, USDC is going to get inflated too. So that was kind of the problem they're going to, trying to solve. Um, and again, whether that's a better solution than Bitcoin, we can kind of get into that. And that's, I think, a little more philosophical. Um, but yeah, so I do agree that this was definitely started as a grand economic experiment. And then it worked really well as far as raising money. And then they realized, hey, we have a ton of money and a ton of resources. We can do a lot with this. And they've pivoted since then. And I think that probably should have been made more clear. But I do think that they're fully on this. This is no longer necessarily an experiment. This is like, I mean, it's still a startup at the end of the day, but we're, we're trying to make this happen, which is this uh, almost central bank of finance, right? They call it like a decentral bank of DeFi. Um and that's, they have all these, and we'll get into all the revenue generating parts uh, later. But yeah, so I, I do agree the investment protection, sustainable. I think you should never say that. I don't care who you are, even if you're Bitcoin, you, you know, you're, it's not sustainable at a trillion dollar market cap, right? So I, I, I do agree with you on that. Um, okay, let's move on. So no need to keep my calculator on you. Yeah, okay. So this is kind of more on what we've talked about. I, I did want to get into the game theory part because this is, your specialty. I am not, I don't have a background in game theory like you do, and most people don't either. So that's why obviously they kind of fell for this a bit. Do you want to explain your problem with the three three and how they left out the rest of the 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 squares essentially? Yeah. Um, I mean, I went through the docs and I looked at the assumptions, you know, whenever you're giving a model, like a mathematical model, you, you know, economic model, you just say, like, here's the assumptions we're doing. And they said, like, guys, we're just gonna like make some numbers up. So don't take them seriously. But let's pretend that, you know, if you if you bond, you know, there's like a plus one plus two, like they, they give a few numbers out there, we don't have to get into it in detail. Um, you know, as, as a actual game theorist, that's like as like advanced degrees in game theory, I went through it. And even with their assumptions, the, the math still doesn't work out. So even after like going through this, like, exercise of trying to like reduce things to like, the perfect, uh, you know, base uh, pieces, it still doesn't work. Like the the game theory is always, you, you know, you should sell, and and that's kind of like why it, why the downtrend has started because like once the momentum runs out, you kind of fall into people's individual incentives. They act on their own behalf. So game theory is like the whole you know the science of it is like what does the individual do for his own best interest, and how does that map out into like the the, the bigger ecosystem and. You know, I love the concept of like, we all gonna make it, 
let's build things together community. And I think there's value in that. And I, you know, my caveat and like positive thing of like what Ohm is doing and why I think it's like, there is like positivity and in, in like this experiment is this concept of like community owned, you know, economic kind of pool of money and like creating something greater than the sum of like what's put in. And I think eventually we'll, we'll get into models that do really well at that. And that will be a new paradigm for the world because people love community and they love winning together and like helping each other. And I think those things, you know, we, you know, we, we should like, um, keep and like praise Olympus for like creating like more, um, options of like how to, how to view that. That said, you know, um, the specific mechanisms and like the specific game theory behind this is actually not really accomplishing it. The, the right game theory is, you know, there's no money coming in. So it's a player versus player. It's a PVP game. Uh, player one is not having three and player two is having three, like, you know, at, at a best case, it's net zero. So someone's winning, someone's losing. Um, when you say sell, sell is minus three, minus three. No, no. Like if I'm selling for you, you know, I'm, I'm getting your, uh, I'm getting right. your like gold coins and, and like you're, you're staying with like the, the kind of paper money. So, um, anyway, this, you know, people can like look at my article, but you know, this is just incorrect. So it was more of a meme and even the assumptions that were, it was based on still don't, uh, allow it to exist, uh, in its form. Right. The three, three was saying, if we all just buy in stake, we all make money which turns into like a game of chicken of who sells first. Right. And that's not just all that's, you know, it could be Shiba, right? Everyone, Oh, Shiba army. We're all buying sheep. And then it's exactly. like, Oh, I'm up 10 X. I should probably sell. Right. Yeah. And yeah, if no one sold, maybe it doesn't go down, but someone's always going to, I agree. Now where I would say that it doesn't fully apply is that, Ohm has value besides just the three, three and besides just the bonding mechanisms and that as they continue to generate revenue, uh, that they're, they'll basically be right. valued. I mean, as like I said, like right. they're trying to create like this, like outside open revenue and let's get into it at the end. Cause I guess like, okay. I, I, you know, that's, that's totally like, uh, something to, to discuss. Okay. Let's keep going. Um, all right. So the next command, I, I, I do, I do want to like, um, on the, this is like the, the thing that like really made me feel like things are on bad faith and because, you know, people like wonder, do I think it's a scam or not? No, but you know, this, there's a few things that are really bad. Um, th this one is super bad. Like the bank run docs. Um, this, this is like financial wizardry, you know, you, you have this chart that you have right now. Like, like yeah. if you want to zoom into this chart, like this is um, something that really just put me off really badly from what they were doing. They say, okay, what if everybody sells and everybody panics and sells? Like, are we backed? Is this safe? And they say, yeah, we're safe because take this extreme example where like, you know, the people just sell it way past the backing price and all the way to like, you know, not like a cannoli basically, like like very, very, very little amount of money. Mm -hmm. the, the brave 3% Spartans that are going to be left at the end, they will actually have made money. And that's true. That's totally true. If like, you get past $38 and everybody sells it to like the one guy left because of like the AMM kind of like uh, curve, which is like, it's not a straight line, but it's, it's like a, you know, X, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of creates this like worse and worse price for everybody as they go along. And, you know, if there's one guy left holding the entire treasury, even if everybody's dumped on him, he'll suddenly be a millionaire. Um, and that's true, but that's not like where the equilibrium is. The equilibrium is, you know, around the backing price and saying, let's just examine the case where we go way past that 
is like mathematically crazy. And if you do it correctly, um, you know, if you stop at the blue line and you just let the, the sellers capture the blue part, that's kind of like the profit they're capturing. Mm-hmm. The people left are losing 90%. And we've seen that 90%. We, we haven't seen the full 90% because like we're still above backing. But like that's the real kind of like equilibrium. Um, and that's 90% losses. And taking this extreme example and saying like, oh, they're making money is just to- totally unrealistic. And I think that was, I don't know who did that math and, and decided that that was the point that they're the only point on the curve that they would examine and like present it as backing and like safety. This is maybe like the worst of all the kind of like box like uh, sins, I would say. Can you explain, I know the math is a little complicated here because I did read this and I had to sit here when I read your article for about, you know, 15 minutes kind of going through the math myself. Can you give a rough explanation of the math without getting super detailed? Yeah. So like, you know, I had to like rely on another giga brain that, um, you know, you, you can rest assured, like is, is one of the smartest people in the, in the space. Um, I know for a fact uh, who, you know, actually sat and did all the math. Uh, I just presented more as like for fun here because he, he actually did calculate everything and get the exact uh, numbers behind it. So I don't want to like, this is not even my work. And I, I just kind of mm-hmm. present it as like, you know, if somebody were to actually do this, this is the, the real math. But like I said, you know, it turns out you have like 92% losses. Um, at the $400 price, you know, $500 price, whatever, like is in the official docs. This is like the using the numbers in the official docs. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously now it's like $100 and the backing is like $30. So your loss, if you enter now, might only be like 60%. You know, there's not like a 92% downside. So this is purely based on the official docs numbers and how like the math is, is actually wrong. Yeah. So, I mean, if, they, if it were to go below treasury backing, there's a few options that they have. I mean, the ultimate nuclear option would be, okay, of the stakers left, uh, you know, we just distribute the treasury evenly to everybody. I don't think they would, I mean, unless the Dow actually voted to do that, which I think anybody who holds that low wouldn't vote to do that anyways, but it's always on the table. Um, I think the, the more realistic is that they start buy back and burn below the treasury value. So they take the treasury assets and use it to buy ohm and then burn that ohm until basically you reach this reaches equilibrium again um, yeah but, i mean i totally agree like I, i'm not at any point making the point of the article that it should go back below backing i'm kind of saying that that's that's the price you know if you which by the way like, i'm not sure if you saw time uh, actually on monday did go below backing temporarily and right. uh a lot of a lot of these protocols have um yeah. and i don't really have a view on you know the mechanisms that they do to kind of get it back like i'm not i'm not at any point making the making the claim that, you know, it will go below backing or it should go below backing. I'm kind of assuming that, yeah, there's some mechanism that, you know, once you're at that point, they can buy and burn or whatever. And, and like you're, you're, you're getting Plus that. There would be market forces, obviously. Right. Like if it's below market, if it's below value of the treasury, people are probably going to buy it just to get that arbitrage. Right. Yeah. Like somebody like can buy it and like hope that there's some like way to exit in the world, you know, at some point there will be. Uh, but using this as like a safety mechanism, like a safety blanket to say that, well, it can't go to zero. It can only go to 30. I mean, if you're buying a 400, like what does it matter? Yeah. It okay. Matter. Yeah. That's, that's fair. That's fair. Um, and again, that's where we get into, and I, I don't necessarily have a right. I don't think anybody has a right answer of how to value these things. And, and I don't think, and I think that's true for all of crypto, right? Nobody has an actual, this is how you value Bitcoin, ETH any DeFi protocol. Um, it's, 
I wanted to ask you about this because I, you know, you're a very smart guy uh, in terms of, you know, have a background in finance, not just in crypto, you know, like, like in stocks, for example, people didn't used to have a way that was like this consensus, how to value a company. And then you have guys like Benjamin Graham and the value investors who wrote these books on how they think you should value it. I think we need a Benjamin Graham of crypto who kind of comes out and says, this isn't perfect. Nobody will agree a hundred percent. But this is probably how we should value these things. And I have my own ideas, and I'm probably going to write an article on how I think you should value these things. Um, but yeah, so I, I think that also comes where you said like, okay, if you're buying at 400 and it can go to 30, that's very much just like, what is the premium uh, on the treasury that people are willing to pay? And that is something that really the market will have to decide. And I think there's different factors, like obviously, uh, you know, revenue should be factored into that versus there's one without revenue, one with revenue, the one with revenue should be have a higher multiple, things like that. We can get into that a little bit. Um, okay. But yeah, I mean, I agree. It's it's value is very nebulous, right? There's no, you're never going to everybody to agree. This is exactly what something is worth. Um, and that's kind of where the market comes in. Um but yeah, okay, let's move on. Um, fourth commandment, mint millionaires fast and their loyalty will last. Um, this one, I think my disagreement was just that you could say this about literally any protocol or any stock or anything. There's a million people who bought Tesla and are like Tesla freaks now, right? And and I, I think this is unfair to say against Ohm specifically. Um, so the, the reason... This is this is maybe like the least bad of all the ten, and you know, I I would say like this is like even like a neutral thing. It's not even like a bad thing. It's just sort of saying like you know you need to have like have your champions that you point to and say like you know these guys made it. Everybody else can make it. Uh, I have the Fiscanti's quote. Like this is not even bad. Like I, I kind of like this is just for people to understand what's going on. You know, like he's being very clear about it. He says you know the most important thing of these mechanisms is they need to create some like big winners at the beginning, and that kind of like helps drive the community because they're very loyal to get involved. Maybe they quit their jobs. You know, they help like bootstrap you and like you need these like, you know, people to make six figures like really fast. Um, and that sort of like has to be part of like the like, kind of talk, tokenomics, Ponzionomics, whatever you want to call it, design. This is not even like, I would say like he's been very transparent about it and I agree with him. And this is not even like a bad thing. Like this is just part of the marketing and like what, what psychology like works. And so like we don't have to like stop on this one. Like I don't think it's fair unfair. I'm just saying like this. This is the narrative that was given by like the the kind of people backing this, and and I agree with it. Like it, it's very effective, and it's not. Um, it's not bad. It just it just helps us think as human beings. I just want people like to realize that we are very affected by like seeing examples. Like on, we see Michael Jordan TV. Like we see like the one guy that like won the lottery. Like you see like unlock like on the lottery guy. And then you're like, well, I'm going to go buy a lottery. Cause I could be like him. Like there's this like association of like, well, if he's just a normal guy. I'm just a normal guy. Like it could happen to me. And you're right. Like this applies to everything. And this is not like a criticism uh, against Ohm specifically for sure. So like we can. Okay. Get we agree then. Okay. So the next part, the fifth commandment is never let them know how much P Ohm you hold. So P Ohm just for everybody knows is a, specific type of token that was only uh, basically issued to the initial founders and some early investors, uh, Fiscanti's being one of them that we talked about earlier. Um, and basically 11.8% of the ohm supply is P-Ohm. And the difference with P-Ohm versus all the other ohm is that it stays fixed at 11.8%. Whereas like if you buy in stake, 
you're getting diluted with everyone else. Um, so my problem with this was that I, I so this uh, I'll get into two parts. So one, I think they should have some incentive to, of ownership. So I think the argument of like, you know, obviously every founder owns a certain percentage of their protocol. That's just their financial incentive and same with early investors. So I don't think you can say there's anything wrong about that specifically. And then there is one part that I wanted to clarify where you said that once they sell their own, that they could get it back again. Can you clarify what you meant there? Because I, I talked to some people about the PM thing because I needed to make sure I understood it. And as far as I'm aware, once you redeem this PM for SOM basically and sell it, you can't get PM back again. Uh, and PM isn't actually a coin that exists. It's a thing that you have to turn into SOM and you can do it at any point in time. Uh, could you yeah. get into so, it a little bit? I mean, obviously, there's, you know, no one's saying that a founding team should not have any um, ownership. You know, the, the commandment is don't let them know how much you hold. And, you know, the, I wrote this one because I went through like even like the, the capos, like the, the, the really like the lieutenants of Olympus are completely like misunderstanding and they don't understand themselves like how uh, how this actually like is creating incentives because they say that it creates this like long-term incentive. Actually, it was very poorly constructed. At some point, like midway, they did try to change it and make it a little bit better because it was literally like giving you 11.8% constantly. You could sell 11.8%. If you wait enough time, you start getting like 11.8% again and you can just sell it again. And I think at some point, like they realize, okay, like this is a bit too much. Like, let's like make it a little bit better. So they made it a little bit better, which is like the current thing where if you sell, um, you only accumulate like the difference between like the inflation and the rebasing, which is maybe like, it still kind of goes up again, but it, like it happens slower. Um, so like if it might happen in like a five, five X, the slower rate of like the reaccumulation, it's, it's like a lot slower rate. So I'm not exactly like, I haven't gone to look the math of like the new thing, exactly like how quickly it goes, but the points still remain. So I didn't have to change anything. Like everything is still the same, which is nobody really understands, you know, how much they can get. And people completely misunderstand the incentives, which are not to wait until the maximum supply of tokens, because by that point, if the token is worth like $2, it's actually more valuable for them to like execute it now and just take, you know, 12% of like 2 billion. Like if they, if they had theoretically sold when it was like $5 billion and kept 11.8% of that and kept $600 million, that would be the strategy it would not be to wait until everything is vested. So the concept of waiting until your tokens vest, it only applies for uh, protocols where there is a fixed supply. If there's a fixed supply and like 1 billion tokens, you, it's not inflationary, you can never print more, then sure, the founders are incentivized to wait till the end. But in these types of mechanics, the founders are actually incentivized to just sell at which point they can they can find the market cap to be the highest. So that's the point that's made. The other thing specifically that's wrong with this one is it has a $1 um, uh, exercise cost. So they do have to pay $1, which might not sound like a lot when it's $400. But if you imagine like, you know, if this thing plays out and we start converging to like the one die backing, they won't even be able to exercise it. So like mm -hmm. it's, it, it'll be worthless. It'll just be like $1, $1. So it's actually in their interest to sell early and not wait till the end. And that was misunderstood. And I think they've realized it and, but they haven't like fixed it completely. They've tried to fix it a little bit. And, and this is just something that, you know, was misunderstood and the, the incentives are not exactly aligned. So I just wanted to point this out. Yeah. Okay. So I'll say a couple of things. So 
you are right. In the beginning, Piom was kind of uh, improperly implemented and they did fix it pretty early on. Um, so now, basically, once you redeem your Piom for Stake Dome, you can't get more Piom again. So that has been fixed. Um, and then as far as the $1 redemption that you say, uh, Zeus actually had a call uh, on Monday or Tuesday. I forget when it was. Uh, he basically addressed the PM thing. And he said that they're completely open to like proposals to change how PM works. And I would say also from the game theory perspective, if we want to talk about that, if they were to just dump it, I mean, they would just, it all would be done. Olympus would be done, right? So if, if they were all of a sudden to just sell a bunch of PM, people would say, okay, these guys are dumping on us. The whole thing would collapse. And so if they wanted to do that, I think they would have done that by now, right? You said like they were worth $5 billion at one point. I Again, think like, I'm not like making any claims on like, pretending to know what people's like real incentives are or what we know what, what, what they're really trying to do. I'm just saying that the tokenomic, the way it's designed, it doesn't create the alignment that people claim it does. And they're wrong to say that, you know, this PM thing is going to make them wait forever and they'll be in it till the end because actually the way it's designed is like they should be selling earlier. That was a point and I think it's correct. And, you know, mathematically it's correct. And, you know, I'm not making any claims on, you know, what, what people's intentions are. Okay. I agree. I would say, yeah, I would say that if they were going to change PO, they would definitely need to address the $1 mint price. Cause I do agree that basically, you know, if, like you said, if it's worth it, their stake could be worth $10 billion, but if they would need, you know, 5 billion or something to redeem it, that doesn't make sense. So I, I agree there. I think they should probably have a proposal, which they said they're open to, to modify how it works. Um, but I do want to stay on the side of people saying, Oh, they're just going to dump. I mean, listen, they were worth $5 billion. If they were going to dump, they would have done it already. You know, I think the idea of OM potentially being a rug pull is pretty much out the window at this point. Um, so I, I would, I, I mean, let's, let's, let's not go that far. I think, you know, they were worth maybe 600 million between all of them. There's a lot of different investors. They have taken some money out to be clear. Like you can't, before like everything was changed and they, and they did have this like amazing, like, you know, double dip mechanic, triple dip, you know, the, you can see like on Dune that there are like chunky, 40 million, like there are some chunky sales. I, I didn't, I went through some of them. I didn't write down all the numbers, but there was a chunky amount that has been cashed out. And I'm just saying, you know, there's a lot of security. It's not well designed and nobody really knows how much poem they hold. And that's, I think that's accurate. Um, and, you know, I think they should fix it and I think they acknowledge it and cool. I'm glad that I brought it up and, you know, they'll address it. Okay. All right, we'll move on. Um, all right, so next up, sixth commandment, real utility. So you said, does the DGen care? That is probably, <laughs> I, this is across all crypto. I think people don't actually care most of the time what, what a protocol does or what they're trying to do. Really, people just want to know, is this going to go up? And I think that's pretty apparent. Again, this gets back to one of my counter arguments when I was first reading this article and a lot of other people's too, is that you could make these arguments against a lot of protocols, not just Ohm. So it was probably a little unfair to pick on Ohm specifically. Um, now, yeah, I, I don't think most people, first of all, most people don't even understand, like they don't follow Ohm closely enough to know all of the things they're doing to generate revenue. Um, because I've talked to met plenty of holders and they, you know, they have no idea what they're doing, which is fine. Just, and that's they, part they of the, the number to go up, right? 
they just want number to go up. And that's pretty much true across the board. I would even say, honestly, like even Bitcoin, which started as this very philosophical sovereign money thing. I think most people at this point who are buying Bitcoin are buying because they want it to go up, not because they believe in some uh, a lot. I wouldn't say all. Oh, there's certainly people who believe in Bitcoin as this hard money like thing. What you're saying is completely true in 2017 run up. So like we can totally agree, like, you know, when we went from 1K to 20K. The first time uh, that was completely exactly what was happening. Um, I think you know now there there is like a majority is is kind of coming it as, as in a different angle. But uh, I mean your your point is like this applies to everything. Absolutely, I fully agree. This is like the state of the crypto world. You know you have dog coins yeah. worth more than all the DeFi put together. Like this is the reality that we're in. And you know in a way like you know people ask me after uh, after the article like do you think like the price is going down because of what you're saying. I think the price has been going down because they're, they're trying to like turn legit and like have like, you know, numbers and, and stuff. And people, people just want meme coin go up and like, you know, you have Russ Honeyman here. Like you want to be a pure play. You want to be a pure play. We're, we're just like getting yeah. this mechanic and getting people in. Once you start like doing all this other stuff, you're going to start getting treated as a stock and like, what's the multiple and like, should this really be trading at this multiple and what makes sense? And right. like the greed goes away and the kind of mathematical kind of like number, brain comes in because you're, you're treating it as like a real kind of asset. And then maybe the multiples don't make sense and you get this repricing. So, um, you know, this is not targeted to uh, Ohm at all. This is like using it as an example of like, if you go down, you know, I have like Rye, you have this like dude trying to like create this like actual like stable coin. He's not getting any traction. He's just like working all day, like this nerdy guy. And then you just have like Zeus, like kind of getting all these like memes and everything. And like, everything is like pumping to hundreds of times bigger than, you know, actually trying to create utility. And it's, and it's not anything about only, oh, this is like the state of crypto, you know, this yeah. is like what has to change. Yeah, no, I know. I agree. And poor Rye, I, you know, I'm a fan of Rye too. So I, I laughed when, uh, when I saw this, there's actually a protocol that's a fork of Rye called Molt. That is yeah. a sub DAO of uh, Olympus. And we'll kind of get into that maybe a little later, but yeah, I agree. I think that's not Ohm specifically. I think that's just, Crypto in general, people are degenerates and they want things to go. I'm guilty of it too, 100%. I'm not saying I'm, I'm innocent. Uh, I think realistically, if we were to only buy things that had like real value, you'd probably only have like 20 or 30 coins in all of crypto that really Absolutely. Uh, and, are and worth anything, honestly. And that's not sustainable, right? Like in the long, like who knows? Like if we get into like a bear market with like, you know, tightening monetary conditions, like that, that, that starts to like create a lot of pain for people. Um, but right now, like, you know, definitely last year, 2021, it was like a case of, you know, degening. And, um, you know, I think Olympus kind of got sucked in that direction. And, and, you know, I, I've heard Zeus, I've heard all the calls. Like, I know that he himself, especially after what happened, like the liquidations, he's, he's very clear that you should not nine, nine. Like, yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, I agree. I think the nine, nine was a big mistake. Uh, almost everybody who's 99 has got liquidated at this point. Hopefully the market will correct and people will stop 99ing at least so aggressively, if at all. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a major point. I think I, I, and I said this uh, earlier this week, I said, I think a lot of people who 99 have never traded on leverage before. And because it's kind of this different way, you tell people, Oh, trade on 20 X leverage. They say, Oh, that's crazy. But you say nine, nine, they're like, Oh, let me do it. I think a lot of people who have never leveraged trade before just got a very, uh, unfortunate lesson in what happens when you try to leverage trade too aggressively. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. but yeah, I, mean, I, I think like it's. 
it's painful. Like I, I am, you know, ex-professional poker player. I've been like around casinos. I've been around people like over gambling, like losing the role, going bust. I've myself like, you know, put myself in spots where I've risked too much of my bankroll on like a specific thing. And sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't, but you know, it's a painful thing when it doesn't work out. And um, you know, things like nine, nine, obviously kind of like look at, make it look like you're still part of the same like win-win game and you're still part of the community, but actually like all you're doing is like degening and um, you know, I use the example of like the the Godfather example where like you know they have the choice to go deal drugs or not you know they have their their existing businesses and this guy's like well drugs are going to be like you know the DJs want drugs and if you don't do it everyone else is going to do it and right. you're kind of stuck in this spot of like people want to gamble people want to degen they're gonna like someone else is going to offer it like there's going to be a casino built down the road that's going to offer it if you don't do it um, so you're kind of stuck in this weird spot and uh, you know to Zeus's credit like you know for the Rari like uh, pools that you could borrow against, they initially set it at 30%. I think Tetranode like allowed 74%. I have the uh, screenshot there of, uh, yeah. you know, how easy it is to get liquidated. And, and it's a harsh lesson. And uh, I don't take any pleasure in seeing this. I've been around too many like problem gamblers my entire life. And I've seen like, you know, crazy things people wouldn't even believe. And, uh, you know, I, I just think it should be made more clear that, you know, if you're trying to build a serious protocol and you care about your, your members that, you know, they shouldn't be, cause it's inevitable. Like you will get liquidated. Like this thing is designed to go down and like, uh, you know, just especially if you're holding it, right. You, if you're in, uh, if you're leverage trading, that's a game in of itself, but this idea of just holding on leverage, like I wouldn't borrow 74% against Bitcoin, let alone some altcoin, Absolutely. you know, Bitcoin just dumped 40%. If you were borrowed 74%, you just got liquidated on Bitcoin, right? So I think, yeah, I think, again, like I said, I think it's just a lot of people who have never traded on leverage that weren't clear that that's exactly what they were doing. They were trading on leverage probably without knowing about it. Um, harsh lesson. Hopefully the market will learn now and, uh, you know, not make the same mistake again. I'm sure people will still do the same thing, but, you know, probably less so until they lose all their money. Um, okay. Uh, any other part on this section that you wanted to cover? The, I, think, uh, I think like we're done with the six commandments. You know, I had to cut the article short because as you guys see, like it kind of got long. Um, yeah. But, you know, I just left it on this like, you know, ticking time bomb of 99, which ended up, it wasn't the first time there's been liquidations to be clear. Like I'm sure all the previous tips yes. have caused liquidations. And, and, and that's, that's why Ohm has these very, you know, if you look at the Ohm chart, it has these, it'll kind of slow, 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 and then boom, just drops really hard. And that's that's the liquidations, um, yeah. which by the way, has so, been a decent trade if you just buy in at the bottom of the liquidations. I've done that a couple of times. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, okay. So now that we went through your points, I wanted to give my point, which was, I think in the defense of Ohm being, Olympus being messy, I think all startups are messy. Olympus, people have to remember, launched in March. It is you know, we're recording this in January, it's nine, 10 months old right now. If anybody who's been in a startup before knows how fast things change, how fast you pivot, how many things go wrong, how many things, both good and bad that you don't expect happen, right? And I'm sure in many of the cases where there's been things that Olympus didn't plan for and had to react to on the negative side, there's also a lot of things that have come up that have been extremely positive in a way that I don't even think the founders really understood in the beginning and couldn't have predicted. And I think some of those things are like, we can get into redacted a little bit if you know about the redacted cartel and some of the sub DAOs and this ability. Olympus Pro, I know you 
uh, are not very in favor of Olympus Pro, right? Because you ran the numbers on it and you said it's just not very meaningful revenue. I agree. Right now, it's not meaningful revenue. I think that it, I, I don't want to say that meaningful is obviously. I mean, let's tell like let's tell you know people what Olympus Pro is because, like you said, you know, even a lot of people who are in Olympus don't even know like what's yeah, going here, on. Let's I would say like, um, specifically you know, here. Yeah, like to, to give um, you know, one of the commandments that you know I didn't get to in this article was uh, throw spaghetti at the wall and you can postpone your downfalls. It's kind of like use whatever is like the flavor of the month and like you know whether it's VE or whether it's like you know. NFTs, you know, ju just like try to like throw like throw some like stuff at the wall and like some of it sticks and like some of it might stick. Who knows? Um, specifically, like Olympus Pro was something designed where this like bonding mechanism, which we talked about, which you know is presented this like is this incredible like um, thing of like you know you, you can own your liquidity, which you know I'll write a, part three will actually be like very deeply on on the on this like liquidity point. Um, but just to keep it very simple, they are. Uh, giving out to protocols their code to create the same bonding mechanism and charging them 3.3% of their uh, money raised. Um, and this has generated a few million dollars. Um, I would say like, you know, that's like just cents uh, per ohm. So it, it, it's not like meaningful in terms of like, okay, this is like another $10 that you add to the $30, whatever. Um, the protocols that have done it, they've had a lot of bots just like arb them. So it hasn't like, like the ones that um, have gone through it, some of them, maybe they keep doing it. I would say the only benefit to um, protocols using it is potentially like the marketing to the Olympus uh, community. So this is where like, you know, Muni talked about like early on, he kind of like realized uh, very clever that he is that, you know, this is sort of like cult as a service. You've kind of, this is his phrase, by the way, not mine. Um, and he's, you know, he's, he's not like anti uh, Olympus or anything. So um, I think even like Zeus kind of like liked it. He's like, yeah, you know, like I've heard it like on his uh, podcast, uh, he's kind of like agreeing with it. You have this community, their eyeballs, you know, this attention. And this is um, kind of like one way where you tell other protocols, like, hey, like you guys want to like a bunch of people to like be aware of what you're doing, potentially like buying into you through like bonding whether it's actually people or bots that end up buying is a different story. But um, the concept behind it is we'll give you this liquidity mechanism. And what's ended up happening is people kind of do it for the marketing. Uh, but ultimately, I don't know that this is like a huge sustainable source of revenue itself, but I applaud the attempt. So my thing would be, first of all, Olympus Pro has only been around for a few months. So, you know, I think it takes time. Like any, if you look at it, it was just a business and you would say, okay, how much revenue has it generated? I think saying, hey, we created something from scratch that didn't exist. That's now making millions of dollars in just a few months. I think that's, that's nothing to, uh, you know, look down upon. Uh, will it be like the ultimate thing that generates, you know, hundreds of millions or billions? No, probably not. Um, I agree, but it's, it was their first attempt at like saying, okay, we're going to create this to generate revenue. Uh, I would say it's the least, uh, important of all the things they've done, even though it was the first and, uh, yeah, you basically explain it. it's a bond marketplace. So these are their partners that they have right now. And they'll probably add more in the future. Um, and, and like you said, I think one of the most valuable things of Olympus is actually the community itself. I'd say, honestly, and we, maybe you disagree, but I think the founding team is extremely smart. Now, whether you think that they're 
malevolent or not is, I guess, up for debate, but I do think they're extremely smart. And I think they're one of the smartest founding teams in DeFi. So I think them plus the community makes Olympus uh, a force, so to speak. Um, I think that's fair to say. Would you agree or no? I would say like definitely smart. I don't know that, um, you know, like I said at the very beginning when I tried to kind of like look at the positive side of this, the concept of like a community that has like financial incentives with each other and like how you organize those and like, you know, these like DAO concepts and, and like how they will evolve. I think it's been a helpful <clears throat> kind of like uh, place in, in the road. I don't think that it's going to be the way, especially with like a lot of the, you know, people were brought in with one idea and ended up being a different idea. I think like in the end, like the, the Nash equilibrium will be like, you will have aspects of Olympus, like the kind of community and like uh, the leaders and like all this kind of like, you know, huge calls with a ton of people on them and discussing and all this stuff. And I think that's awesome. Uh, like the shared memes. I think like, I, you know, the way I see it playing out in the long run, like, you know, if I look 10 years, five years down the road, like you'll have some of these things and they'll be, they'll be much more clear from the beginning as like, this is, you know, this is a collective community slash, you know, country club investment pool with like some giga brain founders. And, you know, this is what we're doing and there's transparency. I think, um, you know, I mentioned in part one, I think like NFTs are like a good, good way to think about this, like, as like, uh, having like a unique part of it. Um, and I think like there, there is like some elements of this that will become the future. And, and I, I totally, see that um now whether olympus can like get over its original sins of like you know all these like docs and everything else and, and people stick with it maybe like if if the founding team is as good as as you say then it's completely possible i don't have a view because i haven't you know dug into like you know what's the alternative you know i think like daniele is like I, I respect a lot of things that he's doing. Um, and I think, you know, he's doing a lot of similar stuff where he's, you know, buying stuff and moving it around. And like, he's super brilliant. Um, I would say like, you know, if we're getting into this like game, I mean, Tetranode obviously is, is uh, super successful. If we're getting to this game of, you know, giga brain leaders ending up having like a huge community below them that kind of like helps them create their vision and then, Maybe like they're sort of like Elon Musk's of digital world where they they create like this this like huge thing. Uh, I can totally see that, and um, I think just, that's totally fine. And maybe Olympus will be like one of the ones that succeed. And I would just say like the transparency is the thing that I'm trying to bring to the table. And uh, the reason I don't have as much gripe with Daniela is because you know he's asked, "Is this a Ponzi?" He's like, "Yeah, like people love their Ponzi." And like you know he's saying like you know we're, we're yeah we were a DeFi currency now we're we're, we're just gonna go like in. in buy everything and, and like, just be like a force. So I think transparency is the key. And I totally agree with you. Like if you have a great community with uh, strong founders, you, you can achieve a lot and that can be sustainable. Yeah. I mean, ultimately my, my, my kind of point was just, and this is again, like not just crypto specific, it's any business, anything you, you ultimately are betting on the founders themselves. You're betting on who are the smartest, most competent people. And from what I've seen personally, and I agree that nothing's been perfect, but I don't think any startup's been perfect that I think the Olympus team is one of the smarter teams in DeFi right now. I'm a big fan of Daniele. I didn't like time because uh, of a lot of the things that I think people use to criticize, criticize Olympus are used against, are more so against time. Um, 
like I sold, I had time and I ended up selling it back in like November, pretty close to the top because, you know, the APY was 70,000% and the price is like $8,000. And I was like, oh my gosh, are they going to lower this APY at some point, right? They can't just keep diluting this forever. And they didn't. And so I said, okay, well, I'm selling. And then on top of that, the other thing was that, you know, if you listen to like the Twitter space AMAs, they definitely did not have a plan for what to do with all the money. Uh, they were like, uh, we'll be some metaverse VC. They said we might sponsor concerts, like all types of random stuff. And I was like, okay, clearly they don't have a vision here. I'm just going to take my profit and walk away. Are you um, see like how like that transparency is like, is like much more beneficial for like you as an investor because you know they're like yeah we're, we're just going to try all this stuff we got all these ideas this is what we're currently thinking as opposed to like no we're, we will be like the financial instrument of the future and like at least they're kind of and then the, you know they start pivoting into like all this stuff i mean there is i think like the it's time now to get into like the debate of like is this a hedge fund like a lot of people are split okay. you know they're saying like Olympus is totally fine. They're just running a hedge fund and like, you know, you're, you're betting on like, what's the multiple on like their returns. Um, and then, you know, Zeus and like a lot of the other people like you who are kind of like more like, no, like this is not a hedge fund. Like this is not like how I value it. So there's, there's both sides of it. I think, I think that Olympus is, is many things. It isn't one specific thing. And that is probably very much a part of the confusion. And and again, a lot of it, like you said, they didn't, the incubator program, the Olympus Pro, the, all, all these things that they're doing were not intended necessarily in the beginning and they're new things that they're adding now. And you could view that in two ways of like, oh, they're just, they don't have a plan, which I wouldn't say they wouldn't have a plan, but I think again, like it's, it's very, very, very hard to create something that's worth many billions of dollars. And it, you're not going to get it right the first time. And I think that as far as startups go and the traction that Olympus has gotten so far, if you were to look at it as a business, like if you were to like take away all of the uh, Olympus branding, whatever, if I was just to show you on paper, this is a startup that started nine months ago, 10 months ago, whatever, and joined and, and has created multiple fee or revenue generating services with SaaS level profit margins. And they're generating many, many millions of dollars. Like, so I pulled this up right here. This is their uh, monthly revenue, not including bonds. So I have both charts right up here. So this is the bond revenue, total revenue, and then you have not including bonds. So this is the chart that I care about most personally. And you can see that obviously there's a clear uptrend. Now there's, you know, ups and downs. And part of this was that they had some delays because they had to, uh, move from ohm v1 to ohm v2 and there's kind of a mess with that a little bit but um that seems to be over now and i think we'll see this over the next few months go up increasingly and uh so like last week for example they generated 1.2 roughly million dollars in non-dilutive revenue so this is fees generated through their various services this does not include their ownership stakes in Redacted, in Lobus, or any of these other things that are generating revenue themselves, uh, and, and none of the other like incubator projects either. And yeah. so, can I just like touch on this because I think like go ahead. Uh, yeah. you're giving like the the positive side. I'll, I'll give like the you know, maybe more balanced side of this, which is there's two parts of this. One, like you know, there there is a cost of capital, and people like totally forget this, but you know, if we, if we don't pool like a billion dollars into like this protocol and we just keep it ourselves, we can put it into curve. We can put it into something ourselves. So like generating, you know, 10, 20% in DeFi, like, trust me, it's 
very easy to do like in a low risk way. Like we're able to do much more in our fund. So, um, you know, it just taking 10% is like a cost of capital of like any DeFi like uh, money. You have to make a hundred million dollars a year. And, and, it, and it's not like they're blowing that number out of the water. Like that's sort of like a baseline, like return on capital that, that should be expected by anybody that puts their money into something. So, you know, we shouldn't like have the bar at zero and just like have it there. Like, you know, the line should be like, what's 10% of, of like the, you know, it just, just take something like people put it into anchor. They get like 19. I mean, I'm not saying that that um, is, is like the, the base to take because maybe there's other risks involved who knows, but 10% like seems reasonable. And that's a hundred million dollars a year of revenue to have as a base. I totally agree. And I think part of the bet of buying into Olympus is that you think that they will grow much faster. And I personally do think they will. Um, and, and for the, a lot of the reasons I said, I think that, okay, so my kind of view on Olympus, and I'll give a little bit of my thesis, and then you can come back at me. So I view the long term of Olympus as this, I pulled up this uh, political cartoon here. This is an old cartoon from Standard Oil back in the day of how they had their like tentacles, sorry, their tentacles in everything. Um, and that essentially, what is Olympus trying to do? They want the end goal is we want to be this reserve currency of DeFi, this central bank of DeFi. Well, how do we get there? Well, okay, step one, raise a bunch of money, but that doesn't work forever because of all the reasons we've discussed. So they've already done that. They've raised hundreds of millions of dollars. We're kind of past that first phase. The next phase is how do we get our tentacles, so to speak, around all of DeFi? How do we become a common pair for all of the pairs? In the same way that if you go on like Ethereum, for example, pretty much every ERC-20 token has a, a whatever ETH pair, right? My personal bet is that within, call it, I don't know, two, three years, almost every DeFi protocol and, and probably, I won't say all of crypto, but let's just stick to DeFi for now, will have an X ohm pair if that makes sense. And how are they doing this? Well, the first example would be redacted. Uh, sorry. Shoot, stupid thing. In the middle. There we go. I can't say it's no way. I'll move it over here. Um, okay. So the first one was redacted. This is one of the first ones they launched. Uh, and if people aren't familiar, very simply, uh, redacted used the own bonding mechanism to raise a bunch of, they have it here, curve, uh, and convex, and they also raised a little bit of ohm. But the idea is, if people know about the curve wars, they wanted to be a major player. And so now this did work pretty successfully. Ohm and uh, Redacted combined now, I believe, are the largest shareholders of convex. Um, and they now are having this. And the reason they call it Redacted Cartel is that they are trying to buy, they're trying to be a cartel, essentially. And you could, you know, the name could be a little uh, uh, sinister, but they're trying to be a cartel that controls governance tokens. Um, I actually think this is very healthy, by the way, for the overall DeFi ecosystem, because a lot of governance tokens don't really have value, and now they do. And that's part of where you said the cost of capital. The advantage is that I individually do not have enough money to influence curve or convex, but if I pool my money together with a bunch of other people, now we can influence that and we can accept bribes through all those different mechanisms that are generating revenue, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And so I would say the value of Ohm and its sub DAOs that it's creating is that collectively people can put money together and have massive influence over all of DeFi. And that as that influence grows, the revenue will grow 
rapidly as well. I think you will actually see an accelerating curve of revenue generation over time as this kind of uh, flywheel effect. Obviously, to a certain point, it probably look like some type of you know S curve, but that's my anticipation of what will happen. And I think they will far exceed the ten percent or even twenty percent cost of capital in the long term. That's kind of my thesis. Cool. Uh, I mean, I'm not gonna have any kind of arguments to that. I think like if, if people want to buy into home for that thesis, then that's totally fine. That's not uh, a smoke and mirrors. That's, that's a clear play. And I think that maybe is sustainable. And um, I don't want to, uh, I love that you made that case. And uh, yeah, just to finish up, I mean, we've had an incredibly like productive discussion. I want to like touch on a couple points. Um, one is sort of like, um, you know, my position in, in this, I think everybody who's not Olympus totally gets it. I think the the community views this as like, a, it's combo of like price has been going down and, and you know, they're, they're like on edge and I, I totally get it. Um, and then they're like, okay, this guy's like fighting us. Like what's all this like mafia stuff, whatever, you know, it's very easy to like find blame. Rest assured, like my intention through all, all this is not, I want people to lose money. I don't want people to lose money. That's actually the real goal is I want people to be educated uh, going forward, like, you know, understand what kind of games they're playing, like understand your game is like the key thing that I've talked about for a very long time. Uh, if you like listen to my prior like podcasts and stuff, and I just want people to understand their game that they're getting into, and then they can like, you know, they can play it and, and have fun and, and be part of communities. And, and that's where I'm coming from at it. Um, you know, the criticisms that I've received uh, either have been that, um, you know, on Zeus's call saying like the timing, these guys are like trying to bash us while we're down. They've been sitting on this for months and they've been waiting for, this is totally untrue. Like I, I mentioned the uh, home for the first time a month ago um, on up only and like started getting attacked right away. Like this guy saying we're Ponzi. Um, that's actually when I started like really deep diving and like understanding the mechanics. Cause um, I wanted to be able to give like a, a clear, like factually correct argument. I released it as soon as I could. I actually waited a few days because there was a huge dip from 300 to 200 and I wanted the price to stabilize because I didn't want to be the guy that was blamed for the car crash. I wanted to be the guy that was like, after the car crashed, he kind of like was giving evidence and like telling people like what, what happened. That, that's kind of like the role I wanted to play. There was no like intention to like uh, create this. Now it's true after like I released it, the price kept going down and like, you know, people got liquidated on, on nine nines and everything else. So the, the timing thing was not, uh, there's no malintent on my behalf. Um, I'm neutral on like the, the end game and if they will manage to succeed or not, the one that you presented, I think it's possible, uh, people can make up their own mind, but, um, just as a last point, like getting attacked by a community is something that, you know, it's not fun to be on the other side on, like, thankfully I'm very thick skinned and, uh, I know that everything I've said is factually true. I haven't like misrepresented like the actual math of anything. Um, I don't make any claims on intentions. Everything is just sort of playful. I want to make that clear. And like the personal attacks that I've received, even from like Viscontis and like, you know, prominent people are like not totally unexpected. Um, you know, when people are so invested in, in, a, in like a project or their reputation, you know, they, they'll attack you personally. And, and like, instead of finding fault with what you're doing, they'll, they'll say like, oh, the way that you presented it or like whatever, uh, you, you, you claim to be a game expert, whatever. Um, I've put myself in a very vulnerable position by being the person to like release this. I know other people at funds and like the big trading firms and like uh, everybody else that has done a lot of same conclusions as me. And like, they're not allowed because of reputational damage. They don't want a mob of a hundred thousand people attacking them and like creating like operational problems. So, you know, there's a risk that I take to like 
put this out there. I, I feel very strongly um, and ethically like that people should know what, what they're getting into. And this is like the, the real goal. There's no like trying to like FUD something. I don't have any uh, economic, I've never invested in Olympus or time or Rye or any of these things, just to be clear. Like I don't have any like a uh, horse in this game. Um, and I'll be moving on to something else. Like, you know, in a month I'll be talking about liquidity and protocols and Luna and something else. Like I'm not like this guy who just, you know, spends his full time on like trying to FUD Olympus. So I think it's, it's, it's important to um, support people who like, are, are, are happy to put themselves in front of a, a mob. Um, I've, got, I've got called everything, you know? So I, I, I accept it, I'm gonna move on. And I hope just people, um, once they calm down, realize, you know, this is not like an attempt to, uh, to harm them. Yeah, I think, you know, especially when things are going badly, at least on the price side, uh, it's always very difficult. And, and, and again, those guys probably get a lot of flack too from people who have lost money. So they were probably in a very emotional state too. Um, I, I agree. I don't think you should be attacked for that. I think you brought up some valid points, as we've said. You know, I, I agree with you on a good amount of the things. I think a lot of the things could be applied to a lot of projects, not just Ohm, and that ultimately I gave you my thesis of what I see Ohm as. But you know, my biggest miscalculation, and I should have known this, is that I, I, it's not your fault it went down. I think it was inevitable because most of the people who bought, as we discussed, they don't care. They don't know any of this stuff, but they don't look at the dashboard of the revenue. They don't do that. They want number go up and the number started going down. And then it's like, you know, who's out the door first. So this was honestly going to happen. Eventually my miscalculation was that uh, I thought more people were looking at Ohm through the lens that I am and they weren't. And uh, you know, I'd be much richer if I just decided, you know what, all the money I put in Ohm, I'm going to wait until the bottom and then I'll just buy here. Right. So that, you know, but of course that's always hindsight as well. Um, yeah, thank you for coming on. Thank you for writing your articles. Um, and I'd be happy to have you again if there's another Ponzi you want to discuss or uh, for macro talk too. I, I very much enjoy your macro opinion. So thank you for coming on. Thanks, David. No, this has been amazing. Um, I'm really glad we had such a positive discussion to like, kind of cut through all the negativity that you know it's easy to see on uh, Twitter and everywhere else. And uh, yeah, I, I love their chat. Take care. Thank you so much. Have a good night.